Letter twenty two of Clarissa, volume one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Clarissa Harlow, or the History of a Young Lady, volume one, by Samuel Richardson. Letter twenty two. Miss Clarissa Harlow to Miss Howe, Sunday morning, March the fifth. Hannah has just bought me from the private place in the garden wall a letter from Mr. Lovelace, deposited last night, signed also by Lord M. He tells me in it that Mr. Soames makes it his boast that he is to be married in a few days to one of the shyest women in England, that my brother explains his meaning, this shy creature, he says, is me, and he assures every one that his young sister is very soon to be Mr. Soames's wife. He tells me of the patterns bespoken which my mother mentioned to me. Not one thing escapes him that is done or said in this house. My sister, he says, reports the same things, and that with such particular aggravations of insult upon him that he cannot but be extremely piqued as well at the manner as from the occasion, and expresses himself with great violence upon it. He knows not, he says, what my relations' inducements can be to prefer such a man as Soames to him. If advantageous settlements be the motive, Soames shall not offer what he will refuse to comply with. As to his estate and family, the first cannot be expected against, and for the second he won't disgrace himself by a comparison so odious. He appeals to Lord M. for the regularity of his life and manners ever since he has made his addresses to me, or had hope of my favour. I suppose he would have his lordship's signing to this letter to be taken as a voucher for him. He desires my leave, in company with my lord, in a pacific manner, to attend my father and uncle's in order to make proposals that must be accepted, if they will see them, and hear what they are, and tells me that he will submit to any measures that I shall prescribe in order to bring about a reconciliation. He presumes to be very earnest with me, to give him a private meeting some night in my father's garden, attended by whom I please. Really, my dear, were you to see his letter, you would think I had given him great encouragement, and that I am in direct treaty with him, or that he is sure that my friends will drive me into a foreign protection, for he has the boldness to offer, in my lord's name, an asylum to me, should I be tyrannically treated in Soames's behalf. I suppose it is the way of this sex to endeavour to entangle the thoughtless of ours by bold supposals and offers in hopes that we shall be too complacent or bashful to quarrel with them, and if not checked, to reckon upon our silence as a sense voluntarily given, or concessions made in their favour. 
There are other particulars in this letter, which I thought ought to mention to you, but I will take an opportunity to send you the letter itself, or a copy of it. For my own part, I am very uneasy to think how I have been drawn on one hand, and driven on the other, into a clandestine, in short, into a mere lover-like correspondence, which my heart condemns. It is easy to see, if I do not break it off, that Mr. Lovelace's advantages, by reason of my unhappy situation, will every day increase, and I shall be more and more entangled. Yet if I do put an end to it, without making it a condition of being freed from Mr. Soames's address, may I, my dear, is it best to continue it a little longer, in order to extricate myself out of the other difficulty by giving up all thoughts of Mr. Lovelace? Whose advice can I ask now but yours? All my relations are met. They are at breakfast together. Mr. Soames is expected. I am excessively uneasy. I must lay down my pen. They are all going to church together. Grievously disordered they appear to be, as Hannah tells me. She believes something is resolved upon. Sunday noon. What a cruel thing is suspense! I will ask leave to go to church this afternoon. I expect to be denied. But if I do not ask, they may allege that my not going is owing to myself. I desired to speak with Shorey. Shorey came. I directed her to carry to my mother my request for permission to go to church this afternoon. What think you was the return? Tell her that she must direct herself to her brother for any favour she has to ask. So, my dear, I am to be delivered up to my brother. I was resolved, however, to ask of him this favour. Accordingly, when they sent me up to my solitary dinner, I gave the messenger a billet, in which I made it my humble request through him to my father to be permitted to go to church this afternoon. This was the contemptuous answer. Tell her that her request will be taken into consideration to-morrow. Patience will be the fittest return I can make to such an insult. But this method will not do with me. Indeed it will not. And yet it is but the beginning, I suppose, of what I am to expect from my brother now I am delivered up to him. On recollection, I thought it best to renew my request. I did. The following is a copy of what I wrote, and what follows that of the answer sent me. Sir, I know not what to make of the answer brought to my request of being permitted to go to church this afternoon. If you design to show your pleasantry by it, I hope that will continue, and then my request will be granted. You know that I never absented myself, when well, at home, till the last two Sundays, when I was advised not to go. My present situation is such that I never more wanted the benefit of the public prayers. I will solemnly engage only to go thither and back again. 
I hope it cannot be thought that I would do otherwise. My dejection of spirits will give a too just excuse on the score of indispition for avoiding visits. Nor will I, but by distant civilities, return the compliments of any of my acquaintances. My disgraces, if they are to have an end, need not be proclaimed to the whole world. I ask this favour, therefore, for my reputation's sake, that I may be able to hold up my head in the neighbourhood, if I live to see an end of the unremitted severities which seem to be designed for. Your unhappy sister, Clarissa Harlow. He responds, To Miss Clarissa Harlow, For a girl to lay so much stress upon going to church, and yet resolve to defy her parents, in an article of the greatest consequence to them and to the whole family, is an absurdity. You are recommended, miss, to the practice of your private devotions. May they be efficacious upon the mind of one of the most privacious young creatures that was ever heard of. The intention is, I tell you, plainly, to mortify you into a sense of your duty. The neighbours you are so solicitous to appear well with already know that you defy that. So, miss, if you have a real value for your reputation, show it as you ought. It is yet in your own power to establish or impair it. J. A. Harlow Thus, my dear Miss Howe, has my brother got me into his snares, and I, like a poor silly bird, the more I struggle, am the more entangled. End of letter 22 Recording by Ben Dutton, Lampeter, Wales